Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Uh, if you are, if you're new among us, welcome. We're really glad you're here. We are, have been over the last handful of weeks digging into the scriptures about the joy of the Lord. Corey pre- preached a message about four weeks back about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we've just lingered in that and have been looking at a few other things. I don't think this church has ever talked as much about ostriches as we did in the last seven days. Uh, I keep hearing ostrich stories and, and things from last week's message. If you have not gotten a chance to hear last week's message that involved Job 39.13 and God's delight in this kind of ridiculous bird, the ostrich, uh, check it out, please, on the website or on the podcast. This week, there's another angle that God brings us in the scriptures about what his joy is like that has really provoked me. It stirred me. It's challenged me. And I'd like to draw your attention to it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 21, the Bible says this. Well, let's make sure I don't goof a word along the way. The Bible says this. It's chapter 10 of Luke's gospel, verse 21. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So, okay. You may not know anything about the context here, but just take a look at what you see in this verse, first and, first and foremost. Jesus is what? He's full of joy through the Holy Spirit about something, right? And that joy overflows by him praising God for something that God's done in somebody else's life besides his own. And just just knowing that much shows us so much. And so it's worth us taking a look at what's going on at that time, because it says at that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. But just let it soak in for a moment that Jesus is full of joy about something that's happening in other people's lives, not just his own. And that is a profound reality for us about the joy of the Lord. And I want to share this morning about being full of joy about things God's doing in other people's lives, not just our own. And and so what's happening in the, at that time, Part of this. What's the at that time about? Well, Jesus has just sent out 72 of his followers. And what's the usual number of Jesus's followers that jumps to mind? We say, how many, you know, what number is associated with his disciples, right? Jesus, you got a dozen, right? We think of the 12. The 12 are the guys who are with Jesus most closely, with him almost around the clock. And, and yet this time, Jesus sends out 72. And so he's drawn the circle somewhat wider. And he sent these 72 out with a commission. He says, go tell them that the time of God's promise has arrived. Go tell people the kingdom of God is here. Don't take a bunch of stuff with you. You don't need to pack a giant suitcase on your way to Minneapolis, team. You can pack light. And and you get there. And then in verse 17, these 72 come back. And it says, the 72 returned with, is it on the screen here for you? Open notes. With what? What did they bring back? 
And you can bring a big old suitcase of joy back with you. Pack light on your way back. But when you come back, bring all that joy with you. It says they returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. It's a pretty wonderful name, Jesus. And, and so that's the, at that time, Jesus is overflowing with joy. One way of, of understanding that phrase in the Greek is twirling with joy in the Holy Spirit. Just so happy that he dances about it. Full of joy with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they've come back and God has done some great things. And, and I want to take a closer look at Jesus's joy here. Next slide. That first of all, it's not just Jesus as God the Son rejoicing on his own. We actually see all three members of the Trinity, the fullness of the Godhead, experiencing fullness of joy and celebrating together. Because it's Jesus full of joy by the Holy Spirit. And and where, where does that go? What's the overflow? It's in relationship with, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And so just in this one verse, what we're seeing is that the Trinity is celebrating together what he's doing here on earth. The tone of heaven is celebration, guys. The, the, the mood of the Godhead is joy. God is delighted in what he's doing in people's lives. And the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are celebrating and rejoicing together as, as this happens. And so, um, if you take a look in verse 18, Jesus responds to the disciples saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And, and his response to them is this. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hallelujah. Guys, that's good news. That's a good thing for us. That's a good thing. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And in verse 19, he says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Verse 20 says, however, do not rejoice that the demons' spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus's joy is not wrapped up in his own authority, but in others receiving salvation, others being blessed in the work that God's doing in other people's lives. So for Jesus, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who's giving authority to others, guys, the joy is not in the authority. The joy is in what God is doing in other people. Jesus's joy shared with the spirit, shared with the father is in the work of God in other people's lives. And I'm emphasizing that not as an abstract point about what makes Jesus happy. It's because the things that make Jesus happy are where we're going to find our real joy. And we're going to find our own real joy in cooperating with and delighting in the work that God's doing in other people's lives. And, and here's, here's the kicker for me. Uh, I think it's the next slide. Uh, the kicker for me is that Jesus is full. He's full. He's full of joy. Scripture describes this as the fullness of joy. He is full of joy by the Holy Spirit. And, and for me, 
I would get stuck on some things that Jesus is not getting stuck on here. Here's what I mean. Jesus is rejoicing fully, even though the work that's actually been accomplished, even though what's happened that he's praising the Father for, what he's so excited about, it's partial. The joy is complete, even though the victory is partial. And for me, often that doesn't compute. But let's linger in this. The the 72 who went out, they were proclaiming the good news about Jesus. They were involved, obviously, in casting out demons. They were healing people. And so in one small patch of the world, for one short period of time, there were some people whose problems were getting dealt with by heaven in a special way, right? So I don't know how many people, how many villages they got to, but there were a whole lot of villages and places that they did not get to. And there were a whole lot of other problems that weren't fixed and solved by the time they came back to Jesus full of joy and rejoicing. And Jesus fully entered into the joy of that moment even though there were a bunch of other people in Palestine who were sick. There were other demonized people oppressed by evil spirits. The Roman occupation was still in full force. The nation was, there was injustice and economic distress and all kinds of problems in the nation, let alone the rest of the world. And yet somehow in this moment, Jesus is full of joy with the Holy Spirit despite all the other problems that seem like they deserve our worry and stress and grief and attention. That really challenges me because God is capable of rejoicing fully in the work that he's doing in your life and in someone else's life, even though there's a whole lot that isn't fixed yet, even though there's a whole lot of brokenness that's still there. God will rejoice fully in the part that he's working on right now, even though there's a whole lot that may be left still to do. There's so much that was still messed up. And yet the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are celebrating like it's all dealt with and all taken care of. And the fact is, God sees the completed product even when we're only partway there. He does. He's, Jesus is rejoicing in that moment as if it is the conclusion of all of history and God's summing it all up and he's come back in glory. The fullness of joy of the Holy Spirit is there in that moment because he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And even though not every problem is fixed and dealt with, his joy in that moment is full. And he's rejoicing in his disciples who are really a very immature, broken and messed up bunch still in their own lives. I mean, God has been pleased to do some amazing thing through these 72 folks. It's not just the top 12, right? It's a broader circle of folks who don't even know or understand, haven't had as much of the same teaching from Jesus. And look, the top 12 guys at that stage They were full of issues. They're in competition with each other for who's the greatest. They don't understand really what Jesus is up to and where he's going. They certainly don't understand the cross and things. And yet Jesus is so excited for them 
because he got to see what God was doing and the joy of the Lord is full in the midst of their immaturity, their shortcomings, their limitations. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Can I get an amen? Because this is, this is amazing. This is great. God in his fullness is bringing his fullness into our shortcomings and limitations and brokenness instead of saying, once you get to my fullness, then you can share in my joy. He's actually overflowing with his joy in the midst of the incompleteness, in the midst of there's still so many other things that are broken up. And that's Jesus's joy right there. Now, my joy, on the other hand, is frequently missing some of these elements of God's joy. Because my joy in a particular thing today is generally swallowed up by all the other things that I think really now need my attention. Okay, that's taken care of. But boy, there's a whole long list of other stuff that I've got to deal with here. Things that aren't complete or that I think like I'd be really irresponsible if I failed to worry about them. Do you know what that's like? Because for me, I'm generally so focused on my tasks that I feel like I'm not supposed to celebrate the one that gets done, even when it's a really great thing. Oh, thank you, God, you did that. Now I'm on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing so fast that the individual glimpses of God's glory and goodness, I tend to overlook. And I move on to the next worry, the next prayer concern, the next thing I'm trying to work through or calling out to God about. I, it's it's a bit like this. 15 years ago, we I was building a screen porch off the back of our house. And, and our daughter Elizabeth happened at that time to be just beginning to learn to walk. And on a particular day, we we're getting close to being done. And some of you may understand, when you're getting close to being done with the project, you got to focus in and get this thing done. Because when you can see it, you like taste it, it's been a long project and you're getting there. It's time you're just, okay, we're going to blitz it through and get this thing done. And so the, it was carpet installation day. And I was working with a friend and we were putting in the carpet. Adhesive going down, and then I'm using a pneumatic stapler, blam, 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 tack it down, keep moving, work together, gotta keep going, adhesive is spread, don't, don't linger. Karen brings Elizabeth out to the porch, and my firstborn daughter starts taking her first steps on the porch while I'm working on it. I'm like, wow, that's so cool, blam, 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 blam. Oh, look at that, that's really cool, blam, 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 blam. And, and I'm so task focused on installing the carpet on the porch, and I'm, I'm missing this, Amazing moment. She's walking. That's really, okay. Got to get this done. And, and that is like a parable of so much of how I live my life. This great thing that God's doing is happening over here and I won't stop all the other things I feel like I have to get done that are responsibilities to do to stop and celebrate and say, God, that's an awesome thing you're doing. This is so great. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus in that moment was in the moment. He's like, guys, this is fantastic. Father, I am so happy right now about what you are doing. God, you are just amazing because you used these guys to do this, right? He doesn't call them wise and learned. He calls them little children, right? And he's like, this is so great, Father. And the Holy Spirit's bubbling up inside him. And God is like, stop the universe right now. We're going to celebrate this one thing. And he invites us into that kind of joy. He invites us into his moment of celebration 
in the midst of a broken world. Into the moment of his kingdom has come here and now. And every time there's an answered prayer, it may seem like a little one. It may be something one of your kids asked for. And God just did it. And you had good weather when you went to the beach. In that moment, every answered prayer, it's a demonstration. He's on the throne. He's in control. Whatever else is out there that we haven't seen resolved yet, God is acting in his goodness and blessing his people. I just just know, watching Jesus here, that he's challenging us not to have our joy in the moment be swallowed up and robbed and overshadowed by our concern for what's next. It's a direct command that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 6 when he tells us, do not worry about tomorrow. Anybody remember that command? And tomorrow represents the next. Okay, it could be this afternoon. But you should celebrate this morning. Celebrate in the morning, no matter what the afternoon's worries are. Celebrate in the evening, no matter what tomorrow's worries are. Don't let the joy of the now be swallowed by your focus on the next. God's own focus is timeless. He's, he's there at that time, in that moment. Jesus is full of joy in the Holy Spirit in that moment, even though there's so much else still left undone. For me, it takes an intentional act of faith to rejoice in the moment. It's an intentional act of faith to say, God, you've still got tomorrow. I'm going to, like Jesus said, I praise you, Father, for this here and now. Father, I praise you for this here and now. And and there's something beautiful that happens when we do that. When we say, it, it brings our abstract faith that God's going to do it into the moment where he just has And it's that moment where we say, Father, I praise you, Lord of heaven and earth. You're Lord of heaven and of earth and all of this other stuff that I don't yet see being resolved. It seems like it's taking so long and attempts that makes my soul want to cry out, how long, O Lord, here in this thing where I just saw you come and move. And these 72 guys have come back and they're rejoicing because you answered some of their prayers when they were praying for other people. Father, I praise you because you're the Lord of heaven and earth and all of these other things, whether things in heaven or things on earth are under your feet because I just saw it in this one little thing. Are you getting the point? You know, on Friday, uh, Pam Howard's pancreatic surgery, it went well. Praise God. Father, I thank you. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. The Pam's surgery went well on Friday. It's a great thing. And there's a long recovery ahead. It's painful. It's hard. But on Friday, we celebrate together. God, you were there. We asked you. You answered. You're good. We've seen your goodness in the land of the living. And we praise you because you're the Lord of heaven and earth. And I think uh, in that moment, we have to choose to intentionally pause and linger and celebrate what God's done so that the worries of tomorrow don't swallow the evidence of today of God's goodness and mercy here in the land of the living. The, our brothers and sisters in Africa, like our friends in Zimbabwe, I was just mentioning, friends in Zambia as well, they have so much to teach us about celebrating the goodness of God in the midst of a broader context of need and brokenness. I know my own life has been marked 
by the discipling of my brothers and sisters in, in that part of the world. And we've seen them just so consistently willing to celebrate, to dance today, even though they don't know where food's going to come from tomorrow. And it's, it's an example, a lesson for us. And, and when you look at how Jesus told us not to worry about tomorrow, what was his alternative to that in Matthew chapter six, verse 33? He says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Not worrying about tomorrow is part of what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God today. If we're seeking first the kingdom of God today, there's not a lot of room for worrying about tomorrow. And celebrating God today is part of what it looks like to seek God's kingdom first. It's part of how we are practicing not worrying about tomorrow. It's impossible to worry about tomorrow while we're celebrating God today. And when that we feel that sense of, oh, I can't do that, that'd be irresponsible. Right? Okay, it may be irresponsible to fail to plan for tomorrow, but worry is never an act of faith. And at least not an act of faith in our God, who's the, our Father, who's the Lord of heaven and earth. Right? It's probably a demonstration of faith in other things instead of in the Lord. But so here's the thing. You know, I said every answered prayer is a demonstration that God is on his throne and has all of it under control. And and I tend to say, well, then I can stop thinking about or praying about the thing God answered and devote all of my attention to the other things that God hasn't answered yet. And when I do that, I'm going a different direction than Jesus does. Jesus is lingering in the answer. Jesus is taking the time to celebrate what God's doing in other people's lives. Not He's not celebrating in his own authority. He's celebrating in the evidence of others being blessed, delivered, saved, seeing God's hand work in their lives. As he does that, he's bringing the fullness of the kingdom into the moment of today. And that's how God sees it. He sees the completed fullness in every little step-by-step minor victory. Every step along the way, God celebrates the partial as a foretaste of the fullness of the finished product. You know, that's what communion is. One of the reasons that we celebrate communion so consistently here week by week is that that's what Jesus invites his disciples into. He said to them, I am so eager to share this meal with you because I know I'm not going to do that again until that coming day. But every time we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we are proclaiming Jesus' death till he comes again. We are declaring, we are living now in the celebration of what Jesus has done and the fullness of the effects that that will bring. And for me, that idea of until, it tends to rob me of my joy of the moment. But for Jesus, it's sweetened it. He said, I have so long to share this meal with you. And and I noticed that the some of the folks jumped up to help pass the plate. So it'll be just a minute. I want to give us two things to be really intentional about in putting into practice what we see Jesus modeling and living here. And first is, I want to challenge us to intentionally rejoice every day, like this week as an exercise, intentionally rejoice every day in something God, good that God is doing in somebody else's life. Can you see, can you find it? Will you look? Will you notice? Will you find some of the things this week, day by day? Make it a mealtime effort. If you guys, if you have a family and you're sitting down to a meal together, you'll say, what did you see today? What, where did you see God working in somebody's life today? What was it? What's changed? And pause and celebrate it. Give it enough time for it to sink in. 
let move into that category uh, in your own thinking and attitude that occupies the space of what happened to me today, right? You know, if somebody says, so what happened today? Let noticing the good thing God did in somebody else's life sink in enough that it's on your list of, this happened to me today. I got to see how God was good to somebody else in this specific way. Does that make sense? So as an assignment, is it clear? Yep. And the second half of that then is, don't just notice, but go right to the Father with it. Like Jesus, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you're doing this. Connect the celebration to closeness with the Father. Draw near to God in it and come close to him in celebration. It's a moment of worship that deepens our relationship with God. And secondly, so that's the first one. First, notice and intentionally rejoice in good things God's doing in somebody else. Secondly, intentionally rejoice in something incomplete. Start celebrating now in the things that aren't yet the way that you want and expect them to be, that aren't yet the way that you hope they will be, that aren't yet fixed. Resist minimizing the good thing just because it's only a partial victory. Resist focusing on all the stuff that still needs to be done. And instead, celebrate fully the moment as a foretaste of what God is going to complete. Live in the kingdom that's coming. Celebrating today is part of what seeking first the kingdom of God looks like. And extend your faith now into the next. Let tomorrow's fullness come in. It's a, this may seem like a challenging idea to get your head around, but it's wrapped up in how the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are celebrating together in the moment of what these 72 were doing. That there's a fullness of joy in the Godhead that belongs in the fullness of a coming age that enters into our today when by faith we step in and say, Father, I praise you for this piece of it. Because this piece, it's a first fruit. It's a foretaste of everything that he's going to do. And so I want to challenge the youth that are headed up to Minneapolis this week as part of your team and your work. Lift your eyes beyond how God is using you as an individual and notice and recognize and initiate celebration in the team for how God's working in other people's lives. Observe and notice that, you know, uh, wow, God just used Caleb in this amazing way. And that conversation that he was having with the homeless person we were giving a sandwich to. Notice it, celebrate it, pause as a team to talk about those things. Come back and be able to tell us some of the ways that you saw God on the move in other people's lives. Does that make sense? Right? And and it's not just for the youth. It's not just for you guys going to Japan. It's for all of us because God's at work right here in our own area. Jason, you want to lead us in communion? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for celebrating with joy the wonderful work of the Father, even where in our own lives it feels like there's so much that still needs to be done. Jesus, we ask and we invite you to open our eyes. Lord, we repent for worrying more about tomorrow than celebrating what you're doing today. But Jesus, today, we come to you to say thank you, to praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for the things that you're doing and revealing that lift up the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.